Welcome to the Pup and Paws cast. I'm Sheila Scruggs. It's brought to you by Dog and Company, dog-co.com. On Sunday, October the 13th at 6 p.m., Cookville Performing Arts Center is going to have a free event. It's a forum or maybe a panel to educate you about service animals in our society. Christy Facento is leading that. She is with Thunderhawk Canine. What made you see that the, that we needed something like this, Christy? Well, thank you. I, I see, I'm sure all of us see um, dogs out in society, in our environment, in stores, and there's various levels of of control and obedience and service being performed in those situations. And we're contacted multiple times per week by extremely well-meaning people who want to work with their own personal pet or have been referred to us because they want to find a service animal that can help them mitigate the disability that they have. And I just feel like there's a tremendous amount of miseducation out there about it, a lot of misunderstanding. And so our goal was to gather a group of individuals that really do have good factual data, good information on the laws that exist, and help educate people about the topic. And hopefully by getting that real information out there instead of the misrepresentation of information out there, um, maybe we can help the people that really need it and are, are negatively being affected. So they'll learn about service animals and how they are important in society and things like that? Yeah, or? we're going to talk about the difference, um, even in just the definitions that are used on a regular basis, what a service animal is versus an emotional support animal versus a therapy animal. And they all have different roles, but they also have different uh, laws that apply to them. And there's a lot of misunderstanding of what applies to each. So we're going to talk a lot about that. We're going to talk about uh, what kind of temperament is needed, um, what is the feasibility, perhaps, of, of having a dog that can do it? Uh, we'll share some personal stories, and we'll have some people share some personal stories. Just, again, trying to make sure that people in a professional capacity are giving the appropriate information and all the way down to the person that has the dog themselves. Do you train service animals, Christy, at Thunderhawk? We do. Actually, I trained my first service dog probably 16 years ago um, for a wonderful woman up in Michigan that had a spinal injury. Um, and I've been involved in that industry since then. So I'm obviously going to probably be the main presenter in the conversation. Uh, we'll have Rachel Moses from the Legal Aid Society of Tennessee in the Upper Cumberlands. She's going to be there to specifically talk about the laws, how they apply to the individual person, the business owner, um, people owning real estate, uh, so the Fair Housing Act. Um, and there's some newer legislation uh, that we need to explore that discusses actually the potential prosecution of people misrepresenting their dog as a service dog, because that has become such a problem, a prevalent problem. How can you tell if someone really has a service dog? I mean, there's probably papers. Great question. First of all, what everybody needs to know is that there is no legal federal registration or certification for service dogs in in the country and in the state of Tennessee. So that's one of the first big red flags is if you have a certified or registered service dog, probably someone went on Google and paid $25 for a card and a vest. But the Americans with Disability Act, which is what covers all service animals, they, they don't recognize any of that. So those registrations and certifications aren't worth anything more than the paper they're printed on. Um, but you really... There's only two questions really that can be asked of an individual with a dog, and that is, is this dog a service dog? What tasks does it perform? Because a service dog must perform work, and that work must help somebody mitigate a disability. And the ADA- know what that is, they have to come to your- <laughs> Yes, exactly, exactly. But I do wanna say that the ADA is specific to say that um, presence is not a task. So just being there is not a task. 
And so that is an important thing. Um, and then again, the dog just needs to be handler attentive, obedient, can't be barking at random people, can't be visiting random people. Um, it is a it is a person's tool that helps them mitigate society. It is not out there for other people to touch. So there are a lot of disabilities that are invisible, you know, and, and so I don't want to minimize the, the, the need for dogs or animals in general for specific people that right. have a legitimate disability. It's much more about how that animal is behaving out in public. Somebody might have something that you can't see at all. They, it might be a seizure alert dog. Right. Um, and so they PTSD might look like a perfectly healthy individual. If the dog is being handler attentive, you know, the person can answer the questions, then then we just leave them be. But it's the dogs that are actively going to the bathroom on produce at Kroger or, you know, acting aggressive, barking, things like that. Those are com- obviously inappropriate behaviors and they fall they're protected by the ADAT. So I, ADAT. I, know, I think what you're trying to help, too, with this um, this free seminar on Sunday, October the 13th, I think also it will help the business owners because I think a lot of them are afraid to say, you know, I don't want to uh, actually hurt somebody and say, well, I'm legally bound because I've said, no, you can't bring this dog in. Absolutely. When it is actually a service dog, I mean, you, you're afraid to turn down anybody. Absolutely. And we see it all the time. Nobody wants to be tried in the court of social media. And so I think if we can give them specific verbiage, we can give them the specific parts of the ADA that apply to them. Um, if, a, if an animal creates a disturbance, it can be asked to leave, service dog or not, at the end of the day. So that is a very important thing for business owners to know. And I want them to feel empowered and have the knowledge because only by holding some people, obviously people who are doing something inappropriate, accountable, then we're protecting the people that need it. Um, so I would love it if we could get you know business owners there, people involved in retail, people that have real estate, like I said. I would really love to hit the the mental health community, this, the therapists, the psychiatrists, the psychologists. We take referrals from all over the state uh, for people that are needing or looking for these animals. And the information that's being given to the patients that are coming to us is wrong, and it's coming from the professionals that they're getting it from. So I feel like it it's a cross section of the entire society that really needs to learn about this. So I'm hoping. So, so what kind of temperament do so, does someone need if they want a service dog? Or what kind of temperament should we they We certainly need a dog that's going to be confident in all situations. If they're afraid of floors or small spaces, things like that, then they're going to be much more concerned about what's going on around them and not concerned about what their human is doing, the one that they're providing a service for. Uh, We need one that's absolutely stable, is unflappable, no matter what another animal is doing near it, no matter what another human is doing near it, it, it's not supposed to acknowledge those things. It's human is all that matters. It needs to be bonded enough with their owner that it can read subtle nuances in their chemistry and in their emotional state, but at the same time independent enough that they can perform their tasks regardless of that emotional state. And even my personal dogs, if I'm an emotional wreck and I ask them to do something as easy as sit or down, they're often like, mom, what's wrong with you? First, they're not independent enough necessarily to perform those things irregardless of my personal state or my emotional state. But a service dog has to. That's what they to think about, really. Yeah. And so it's not like I can just go out and say, I love this dog. I want this dog to be a service dog. It really often does not work that way. And unfortunately, that is the perception that we can train the dog to do anything. But we can't train genetics away. Like dogs are born with a map of personality. And we do our best through training to help them reach the best potential within that map of personality. But Little pointer puppies, they are pointing at butterflies at seven weeks old. And so that is that is genetics. 
affecting behavior and temperament. And that's one of the most important parts of service dog work. When someone does need a service dog, is it better to go to a professional trainer that really knows how to get a great service dog? Do you, like if someone comes to you and said, can you help me get the proper service dog for my client or for me? Do you... We don't actually provide that service. And the reason we don't provide that service is because when you're evaluating a dog, you look at initial temperament, then you put the dog into training, you look at their ability to handle the training on a daily basis, because that's a lot of stress on on any dog. Then you take that training and you apply it into a world setting and you look at their ability to handle that. And there's a very high washout rate. Even the organizations that have been specifically breeding to this task for decades, they have a washout rate. So for us to invest the time, let's say we evaluate 40 dogs and then we ended up with 20 and then we kept paring it down by the time that we got to that one dog that was going to do it it would now be a $40,000 dog with the time that we've invested in it and we don't have those resources to to spend that way there's a lot that goes into that it's huge more than I even thought about I'm very suspicious of other trainers who are like well I can just take your dog and make it a service dog no problem or I'll just go find you one it's easy it's not easy and I feel like again I feel like professionals are doing the whole industry a disservice by trying to capitalize on on people's legitimate need and it's i literally a health need it is it is for the people who need it they need it and they deserve to have it without their rights being infringed on but at the same time how how does a business owner you know mitigate that it's it's a very fine line to walk but hopefully having that clear understanding of at least what the laws are will help everybody involved in the topic there's so much to know how can we know it all you know we do need we do need this uh the seminar that you put together so i say there's you've had so many calls about it that's why you think hey let's educate it is it is it's it's at least a couple times a week if not a couple times a day somebody calls asking this specific question and it's almost the same answer now that we give all the time um and so this will be a much broader way of presenting it. I've been presenting it on on smaller levels, like to the Rotary Clubs and the Chamber. I spoke at the university. Um, So this is a way to have a much broader platform, hopefully get the information out there. So who do you hope comes? I hope that we get people that um, have a service dog or or have a dog that they think is fulfilling a service for them. I hope they come with an open mind. I hope that we get business owners. I hope that we get professionals in the community. I would love to see people involved in the medical community and um, teaching. Um, I've spoke with members of the clergy um, who have been had to deal with that even within their their churches. I mean, it's anybody that is in contact with the public or anybody that, again, feels that they have a need themselves for a service dog. I think that this will be invaluable information for them to have and as a community we kind of need to know too and know how to respect those that have the absolutely absolutely so really this is good will there be a question and answer type panel time permitted yes time permitted there will be uh cpac has 400 people and i'm guessing 400 people will have questions at the end of it um and so or at least specifics like well how does my scenario so I'm not quite sure how much time we'll have for that. And the other people that are presenting um, or will be talking, we have Nikki Panter, who's a professor of biology at Tennessee Tech University. Um, She's also the faculty advisor and one of the founders of the Save Us Club, which is a club. You've had Hannah Buckner on your podcast before. Um, And they are just committed to working with the shelter dogs and evaluating temperament and 
proving their adoptability there. And Hannah is also going to be there. She's going to present her data actually on evaluating the shelter dogs and working with them through training and how that resulted in potential service dog candidates so so, uh, such a great panel and and you can you know educate yourself as a business person or just as a member of our society and and just educate find out educate is the best thing you know it's like when when you come with an open mind and listen and if you think you need a service animal if you have a service animal there's maybe something you can learn there too free free that was the whole point like i give this information away on a daily basis anyway i thought it'd be much better to just give it away to a big group of people (laughs) and when it is is sunday october 13th 6 p.m at cookville performing arts center hosted by christy facinto with thunderhawk canine free event how can they get in touch with you if they want to ask some questions or find out what you do at thunderhawk my email is christy c-h-r-i-s-t-i-e at thunderhawkcanine.com and that's all spelled out so thunderhawk and then c-a-n-i-n-e.com thank you so much for being my guest thank you i appreciate it